Welcome to Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators with Jordan Donnell. This is a safe place to learn about women's health and sexual wellness. I'm your host, Jordan Donnell, physician assistant, women's sexual health educator, and intimacy coach. On today's episode, we are talking about getting tested, STI testing. You are going to have your mind blown when you find out what is on the standard STI panel ran by your provider. We are also going to be covering gonorrhea and chlamydia in this episode. This is the third episode on genital tract infections. Before we get started, I have a special offer for you. I have created the ultimate guide to foreplay with hot tips and tricks to spice it up. Get your copy of my ultimate guide to foreplay by going to foreplay.vaginasvulvasandvibrators.com. Hope you enjoy my bonus gift to you. You can also find the link in the bio. When you think about STIs or sexually transmitted infections, what infections come to mind? For most people, that's going to be gonorrhea and chlamydia. You hear about those all the time. Those are kind of the staple STI. Before we talk about those, we need to talk about what exactly is STI testing. Now, I know when you go to get tested, there are many things running through your mind, but did it ever cross your mind that a standard STI panel is actually not looking at everything? That is right. A standard panel is going to include a gonorrhea and chlamydia test, which is obtained via urine or vaginal swab, and HIV and syphilis, which is tested by drawing your blood. So if you don't have your blood drawn, you are not being screened for HIV and syphilis. But what I want to point out is that there are other infections that are not part of the standard STI screen. So if you remember back to our last episode, I mentioned that trichomonas is not normally tested for. But that's not it. Some new STDs or STIs, marcoplasm and ureaplasm, are not commonly tested for either. Now, with those, insurance coverage can be a little bit questionable as well, but either way, that's not part of the standard panel. But there is more. Herpes is not routinely screened for. If you want these additional tests, many times you have to ask for it. So even when you go in and you say, hey, I want everything, you still got to specify exactly what you want. Sometimes your provider will clarify with you, but I would encourage asking for exactly what you want. So if you want everything, you will need to ask your provider for gonorrhea, chlamydia, HIV, syphilis, herpes, or HSV, trichomonas, marcoplasm, and ureaplasm. And that list is not even totally inclusive. You have um, HPV and hepatitis that are also sexually transmitted. So keep this in mind next time you have your appointment with your provider. I actually learned about marcoplasm and ureaplasm from my job in Northern California, where their standard panel actually does include those. So that was really awesome. And believe it or not, I saw tons and tons of positives in people who had no symptoms. We are going to talk about those newer STIs in a future episode. 
Okay, so how often should you get tested? Now, this is a really good question to kind of bring up. The CDC, so Center for Disease and Control guidelines, state yearly for women under the age of 25. And get this, they make no recommendations for men. No screening recommendations at all for men, which is very disappointing. Personally, whenever I have patients come in who tell me they're not in a monogamous relationship or um, under the age of 25, I always try to offer testing. But it is crazy that the recommendations do not at least recommend annual testing in men for the same age group. I, I don't think that's right. I think that men should be getting tested as much as women, if not more. But I will get off that rant here today. So something else to keep in mind with getting tested. I would also encourage getting tested between partners. But there is an incubation period that can be up to 12 weeks for some sexually transmitted infections, so it may not show up positive right away, and you may want to retest at about three months to ensure that your initial results were not a false negative result. So that's something else to keep in mind. One last thing before we jump into gonorrhea and chlamydia is that if there are any men listening turn this part up, listen carefully. If you have friends with penises, please tell them this. They are not swabbing urethra of men anymore. So for men, it's a urine sample when you are tested for sexually transmitted infections. And I hear this a lot. A lot of men decline testing because they don't want to have a quote cotton swab shoved up there. And I promise It's not what we're doing anymore. I think if more men were educated about that, they would go get their testing done. And at the end of the day, knowledge is power. Knowing whether you have something or you have a clean bill of health is really important. So I do encourage men to go out there and get tested as well. All right, so let's talk about the STDs screened for with the standard panel using urine or a vaginal swab, gonorrhea and chlamydia. What you can expect here coming up is an overview of the two infections. What are they? How do you get them? Some symptoms you may see. And then we're going to talk about diagnosis, treatment, and prevention. And of course, long-term complications of both of them. So let's dive right into gonorrhea. Gonorrhea is the second most common sexually transmitted infection. It is caused by a bacteria called Neisseria gonorrhea. Gonorrhea is a bacteria that affects mucous membranes. So that includes your cervix, uterus, fallopian tubes, urethra, mouth, throat, eyes, and rectum. It is transmitted through sexual contact with an infected partner's penis, vagina, mouth, or anus. Gonorrhea can also be transmitted during birth to the newborn. Did you know that ejaculation does not, I repeat, does not have to occur to transmit or acquire gonorrhea? So I think that is really, really important to keep in mind is that many times people are like, oh, well, they didn't come in me. Well, that doesn't mean that you are not at risk, okay? So just by playing with it can transmit gonorrhea. Okay. 
Anyone who is sexually active is at risk, but 15 to 25 year olds have the highest risk of getting gonorrhea. Typically, gonorrhea is asymptomatic, which means it has no symptoms. So that might mean that you or even your partner have it and don't even know it, which is why getting tested is really important and especially getting tested between partners. For women, if you have symptoms, they are often mild and nonspecific symptoms, and it's commonly mistaken for a bladder or vaginal infection. Some women may see increased vaginal discharge, bleeding between periods or with intercourse, or even pain with urination. For men, if they have symptoms, it could be pain with urination or urethral discharge, And typically, the symptoms, if you're going to get symptoms, will appear about 1 to 14 days after infection. The discharge for men could be white, yellow, or green. Now, any urethral discharge for men is abnormal, period. And they should see their provider anytime they are having discharge. Men might also see testicular or scrotal pain. For rectal gonorrhea, Although it may be asymptomatic, you might see discharge, itching, soreness, bleeding, or even painful bowel movements. For pharyngeal or throat gonorrhea, you may see a sore throat, but most likely is going to be asymptomatic. Now, chlamydia is commonly seen with gonorrhea infections, and chlamydia is another type of sexually transmitted infection and it is the most frequently reported bacterial infection in the United States. It is caused by the bacteria Chlamydia trichomatis. It is most common among young people, again, just like gonorrhea, and it is estimated that 1 in 20 sexually active women between 14 and 24 have chlamydia. Chlamydia is transmitted through sexual contact with the penis, vagina, mouth, or anus of an infected partner. Like gonorrhea, ejaculation does not have to occur for chlamydia to be transmitted or acquired, and it can also be spread during childbirth. Chlamydia is known as a silent infection because most infected individuals are asymptomatic. Only about 10% of men and somewhere between 50 and 30% of women will develop symptoms. Symptoms may not appear until several weeks after exposure in those who develop symptoms due to the slow replication cycle of chlamydia. Some symptoms in women include cervicitis, which is inflammation of the cervix and commonly presents with marcopurulent cervical discharge easy bleeding of the cervix, or other symptoms might include urethritis, which is inflammation of the urethra, and you might have pain with urination, increased urination, and urinary frequency. Some symptoms in men include urethritis, which is going to be that urethral discharge and pain with urination. They might also see epididymitis, which would be typically one-sided testicular pain, tenderness, and swelling. Infections of the rectum are often asymptomatic but can cause proctocytis or inflammation of the rectum, resulting in rectal pain, discharge, and bleeding. 
You can also get chlamydia in the eyes through contact with infected genital secretions. It can also be found in the throat, but again, typically asymptomatic. Now, in order to diagnose both gonorrhea and chlamydia, you will need to see your provider. Typically, they are going to test your urine or use a vaginal swab. Many times, if you are having symptoms, your provider will go ahead and treat you while waiting for the results. Treatment for both gonorrhea and chlamydia is antibiotics. You will need to ensure that all partners in the last 60 days are also tested and treated. Sometimes your provider will give you a prescription for your partner to be treated as well. Gonorrhea and chlamydia are reportable diseases and are something that needs to be reported to the state many times. I think in the state of California, it's only gonorrhea now, but that means that public health a lot of times is going to reach out to you and figure out who have you been intimate with in the last 60 days and help track everybody down and let them know. When you are treated for these infections, you should abstain from sexual activity for seven days after the end of the antibiotic course. So some antibiotic courses are going to be a single dose. Some are going to be a week long or so treatment depends on what your provider chooses. Many times you will be asked to come back in about three months to do a test of cure. A test of cure is to ensure that the infection was adequately treated and make sure that it didn't get passed back to you from your partner. Keep in mind, even if you are treated, you can get gonorrhea and chlamydia again if you have sexual contact with an infected person. When untreated, gonorrhea and chlamydia can increase your risk of acquiring and transmitting HIV. So that's something else that's very important to keep in mind. There are potential long-term complications of having gonorrhea and chlamydia. If untreated in women, gonorrhea and chlamydia can lead to pelvic inflammatory disease. And this would be when the infection spreads to the upper reproductive organs. So your uterus, your fallopian tubes, your ovaries. And that happens in about 10 to 15% of women with untreated chlamydia. This is a serious infection and can cause permanent damage to the fallopian tubes, the uterus, and surrounding tissues. Ultimately, it can lead to chronic pelvic pain, tubal factor infertility, and potentially ectopic pregnancies. Any permanent damage done from the infection prior to treatment will not be reversed with treatment. Some of the symptoms seen with PID or pelvic inflammatory disease is going to be abdominal pain, pelvic pain, fevers, chills, nausea, vomiting, painful intercourse, vaginal discharge, pain with urination, heavy or prolonged periods, bleeding with intercourse, kind of a wide variety of symptoms, but you can tell you got a little bit more of those systemic or full body infectious symptoms. On exam, we will see a lot of times cervical motion tenderness, or which would be um, a very sensitive cervix or tenderness of the uterus and or ovaries. You can see this infection spread to the liver capsule and surrounding tissue, and then it's called 
Fitzhugh Curtis. And that would be seen with right upper quadrant pain a lot of times. I haven't seen that one yet, but it is out there and something to be aware of, of potential complications of these infections. PID can be seen with gonorrhea and chlamydia infections. With gonorrhea infections, you can also see disseminated gonococci infections, which can be life-threatening when untreated. Symptoms of that would include arthritis, tenosynovitis, and dermatitis. Lots of big words there, but ultimately more systemic complications or throughout the whole body complications. To prevent gonorrhea and chlamydia, using condoms consistently and correctly is important to reduce the risk of transmission. I think I need to do, I've been talking about doing a TikTok about how to use a condom, but I think it's really important and to use them consistently and correctly. So correctly would mean from start to finish, you know, there is no play without condoms at all. Now, another way to prevent gonorrhea and chlamydia is to abstain or a long-term mutual monogamous relationship. Some other ways to reduce your risk is to limit the number of sexual partners and be sure to discuss your partner's sexual history and ask them if they've had an STI, do they currently have one, and get tested. Get tested so that you know, get tested so that you can share that information with your partners. So to recap today's episode, gonorrhea and chlamydia frequently have no symptoms at all. They are asymptomatic and it is important to get tested yearly and between partners if you are not in a mutually monogamous relationship. Be sure next time you get tested, you ask them for gonorrhea, chlamydia, HIV, syphilis, trichomonas, herpes, and even marcoplasm and ureaplasm. Thanks so much for joining today to learn a little bit more about STDs. On our next episode, we are looking at some more sexually transmitted infections. This podcast is sponsored by Pure Romance by Jordan Jones, offering top bath and beauty products and relationship enhancement items. Check out the link in the bio to start shopping today. Thank you for joining today and continuing to bring awareness to women's health. If you love the show, please subscribe so you never miss another episode and leave a review for others to see. If you want to see me on the daily, you can check out my bio for links to all my pages. Be sure to share this episode with your girlfriends. Thanks again and see you next episode.